Welcome to Changing Reels, a podcast that aims to change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time. My name is Courtney Small. I write about film for several publications, including ThatShelf.com, where the show is hosted, and Cinema Access, to name a few. I'm also the co-host of the podcast Frameline. Today, I'm joined by podcaster and writer Andrew Robinson. Andrew is the co-host of Tump, the unnamed movie podcast, a podcast where he and his co-host discuss a wide variety of films, and he also hosted the Movies You Love podcast. Andrew is also the creator of the website G-Man Reviews, and has contributed to several publications, including Film School Rejects and In the Seats, to name a few. Andrew, how are you doing today? Oh, wow. I don't think anyone's ever referred to me with so many credits in so long. <laughs> I'm doing wonderfully. Our main film for today is the 2020 drama Sella and the Spades, directed by Tarisha Poe. Uh, the film is set in the prestigious Haldwell boarding school, which has an intricate underground world that is ruled by five different factions. In this particular film, our main protagonist, Sella Summers, is the leader of the most powerful faction, the Spades. She's about to graduate and she's looking to find an heir to her throne. Andrew, what were your initial thoughts on this movie? I mean, it's surprising to me that it's the first time I've seen someone make a film where I watch it. I'm like, oh, someone watch Brick. It is high school homogenized version of old, like, noir gangster films. Yep. Where they're like, hey, we've all got our crew and we're going to beat up everyone for, like, stepping on our turf. And we're in a high school and we're teenagers. It's fascinating to me to see the evolution of that in this film but at the same time I've got some notes for this filmmaker that we'll talk about <laughs> it's funny because when watching this film my first instinct was oh this is kind of like Rushmore you know a very stylized version of boarding school life but then similar to you it quickly devolved into no I'm watching Brick and I'm okay with that but then there are some interesting aspects of this film that we are going to discuss overall I, I like the film but I had some issues with that I don't necessarily think the payoff is as strong as the setup, but we can dive into that a bit more. But let's start it off with the notion of the, the teen film, because as you said, this is like Brick, and Brick is not your typical teenage film. And when you often think of films set in high school, there's many tropes that are in this film, but I find it takes it in a different way. So do you want to just kick us off on how uh, this film relates into other teen films, and specifically Brick? So there are a lot of things going on here. So you've got the Brick film, which is really what I find is fascinating especially in that film I didn't even think about Rushmore now that you brought that up which is where basically they take any story that would have been a popular movie made in like anywhere from the 30s to the 60s noir movie of just adults being gangsters and being awful people but they just make them all children in a high school economy and they equate everything around and it becomes sort of cute for you to just be around and be like oh yeah they're dealing drugs in a high school it's kind of the same thing or the people who are running illegal parties or whatever but at the same time the other the other thing that i kind of thought a lot about watching this movie was the concept of the gangs of the themed gangs the thing that they they mentioned at the beginning of the movie they kind of basically brought you up to speed to be like these are our five gangs and it made me think a lot of movies like the warriors-esque movies where you have these very stylized very colorful very differentiated gangs and i don't know why but in my head the movie that i can because i know the warriors but i don't know it that well but the movie i think of which is also a derivative of the warriors is a movie from a few years back that i know that i have screamed nothing but lunacy about for the past 10 years and and if Ryan ever hears this, he'll probably have to close his ears. The movie, the FP. Oh, yeah. 
which in itself is its own derivative of that film where they're out and they're all doing their own like the caveman clan and there's the busters clan and there are all these people with the crazy outfits and things that are going on i find it interesting even like if you look at the promotional stuff you see the picture of Sela in her what i'd only call a cheerleader outfit they mention what the group is called in the movie i've forgotten already so like i went into this movie imagine we'd seen we'd see people like completely color-coded to their gang base but it really isn't that they are just normal children and they're just like yeah i'm in that gang there are many things as it relates to movies upon movies upon movies going on in here i don't know if i've missed anything that you've thought of no it you you've hit some good ones i didn't think of the fp which is interesting pull because i'm not a huge fan of that film but i definitely do see the the comparisons and when you're pointing it out and i actually was thinking not of the warriors but i was thinking of new jack city and a few of the other more modern gang films. This film feels like a smorgasbord of cinema. As you pointed out, the it starts with like the noir era, but as you move up, there's elements to this film that create such an interesting universe. And I was thinking more New Jack City just in terms of the leader who's holding on by a thread. And in this case, you have Sela, who is the big Don, even though you have the five fractions. Hers is still the most powerful, but yet if you look at her crew her crew is essentially at the start of this film a two-person operation in terms of leadership and then a bunch of younger kids that kind of run things for her where everyone else seems to be much more powerful in terms of numbers but just the aspect of control and her doing everything in her power to to maintain it even having to hold on to that reckless person you know that you could even reference the godfather and fredo and how you've got that one ally that you you know is going to be problematic and that's in the character of maxi but you still keep them around because they're the like the one or two loyal people that you think you can can trust on so it, it's, it's a very fascinating dynamic but yet this film still constantly reminds you that you're watching kids in a high school like as you said there's no real colorful garb i would say maybe outside of the beret that the leader of the Bobbies wears because you know she's a theater major everyone dresses like rather normal kids this film could probably be take place in any era because there's they don't even have cell phones I did not notice one cell phone everything that's documented is written down on ledgers or via cameras there is that kind of weird timelessness to it but then one of their major issues is well is prom gonna happen what's the theme for prom you know so it's like these people are dealing in criminal activities but still have to worry about regular high school kid stuff so i thought that was kind of an interesting approach for this film and i mean the way they set the world so like i think one of the big notes even though you talk about the gangs and i think early on you see like this meeting of the gangs in the same way that you would see a godfather meeting at the table of all of the dons being like we're not doing drugs in the community i feel like i was doing more of a black dynamite sketch there than the godfather but whatever it works <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene where you see the principal the headmaster of the school who does his whole spiel you see him a couple of times there's a scene where the new girl paloma are soon to be understudy for cello and you see him explain the world of the school and you see later on 
on him just talking about people having power and the way all of this goes on is movies it feels almost like someone made a school play version of those movies right and it's cute i continue to use that word cute and it, it works at times but at times you can feel it's almost what i like to call short filmitis where someone is has a great idea for a short film but they push it into feature length and they can't really pad out everything to make it fully reach from end to end great so it just kind of feels stretched if at best but it definitely has a lot of things there about that world and stuff that could be great i do agree that there's a lot going on and i think there's more than the film is able to tackle Uh, there's a lot of interesting threads that i wish were expanded more like i I wish we got to spend a little more time with the various factions because every time we encounter them it's either through stella or paloma's view and for i guess a good chunk of the film i would say that view is very one-sided until paloma starts to realize that there's other ways to to rule that you don't necessarily have to rule with an iron fist to to get everyone on board but i want to double back to that point that you made about control because this film for all its stylized flourishes and there are many which we can dive into in a minute it really is about control and who has it and who wants it and in this case Stella has a lot of control when she's at school but outside of that institution she's powerless and she starts off early on talking about the pressures on 17 year old girls to act and look a certain way and how you get pressures from your school your parents boys what have you but as we see with her she's she's got this weird complexity to her in the sense that she loves the power that she has at school and doesn't want to get rid of it anytime soon but then she also hates the pressures that come outside of school specifically with her mom and having to be perfect like she's essentially the overachiever you know think tracy flick in election but if instead of running for school council she was running like for criminal underworld kind of thing you trying to be too many things at once and the pressure to maintain control on even one thing is too much. The weird thing about this is what I feel strongly about the character of Sella and what they're doing with this whole underground theme is you brought one point, which is the fact that we don't actually see a lot of these factions. In the beginning of the film, they actually describe to you what each faction is. And they mentioned one, which was the prefix, which I can't remember if they actually showed us a prefect in the actual movie, right? I don't, I remember there's a point where they mention one or they mention one of the characters is a prefect and doing some stuff. But other than the Bobbies, I could identify who was what faction throughout the entire of this film could you yeah i had to literally write it down and and make notes because i know that two tom was the prefect and the prefects are the the folks that keep administration happy but we don't really see too much of that like i i, I felt outside of the bobbies we spent most of the time with the c which is like the teacher's pet group the ones that they always congregate in a classroom but even then their leader Tarrant was more in service of Sella. Like he would all, he was the one that notified her that there might be a rat in the group. And this is what other people are saying about your group. I couldn't tell you who is a member of the skins and who's a member of the prefects just by the characters being on screen. And I don't know if that was like intentionally cut out. I don't know if it comes down to the thing I mentioned earlier, which is that unlike all of these old style stylized like gang related films where everyone is like completely color based and like you could tell from a mile away, oh, that's part of the Cuban gang in the same way, like in West Side Story for good and bad reasons, you can tell who's a jet and who's a shark, right? Yeah. It's simple visual style to 
make communication easier to the to the viewer to say, oh, I know exactly what's happening now. It just made it a slightly confusing that they had to preface this with so much information about the actual culture of the world. But at the same time, the world itself seemed so homogenous that we couldn't tell in most cases who was who, with the exception of our protagonists and a couple other people. It's, it's very much a story about Sela and her pressures, but you don't necessarily get the full grasp of of Sela. And I don't know if that was intentional in the sense that no one really knows Sela outside of the image she conveys, but one would think that with her world, especially when you're spending so much time from her point of view, or at least Paloma's view of her, you would get a better sense of the additional stresses. Like there's one of my favorite lines of the film actually comes where Maxie is essentially on his last legs like you know things aren't going well with maxi and he's talking to paloma about you know oh you think that you're essentially going to replace me as her number two and paloma makes a reference about Sela being stressed and he's thinking well you know did she invent stress like this is high school we all have our issues to deal with when it comes to knocking her off her throne you get glimpses that you know the bobbies really want her out of the way partly for business reasons but i i would say more so for personal reasons which the, the film dives into but for the rest of them it didn't really seem like anyone was jockeying to push her out as hard as Sela was fighting to keep her position and if you think about it everyone has their individual rackets yes you always want to expand but I never got the sense that anyone else wanted to expand into the the drug and alcohol trade so one of the things I was thinking hard about with this movie, throughout the entire runtime of the movie, I felt a little bit lost. And I, and it wasn't until the end of the movie where I realized what it was I was looking for and why I felt lost, is that generally with films, and we could say that there are exceptions, as there always are, to the concept of art and film in itself. Generally, I feel like pretty early out, a film needs to state its thesis statement and ask the question that you need to answer by the end, which is, what is this world? Or what is it this character wants? Or what does it need? And I felt even though early on they introduce the concept of Sela needing or wanting a someone to pass on her legacy to of her drug game I'm guessing in this school or the spades the concept of the faction of the spades with the bobbies coming after it it felt so un almost to Sela or even to the film it felt so unimportant to actually answer that question that that wasn't the thing I was really focusing on so I kept throughout the movie trying to figure out what this movie was trying to answer and it wasn't until the end of this movie where I finally figured out what I thought the question of this movie really was which is what happened to the previous the the they mention her a few times Tila oh yes yeah right and I don't know if you had this feeling too watching this movie where I wasn't sure what direction the movie wanted me to look at it in because they mention these factions but we really don't get a real key look at them we don't know how the bobbies work other than they had a order mis- messed up from the spades we see Sela have her stresses we see her having phone calls with her mother who's harassing her about only getting 93% on a test and anyone who's been to high school know those feelings of your parents being like how didn't you get the last 5% even though my parents were more like why didn't you pass <laughs> 
and all of these things but at the same time none of it felt essential to what i don't know it didn't feel like it was the thing that i should be paying i should be focusing to to understand what this movie was really talking about and i felt like that idea to me at least hurt the movie for me i don't know how you felt on this it was interesting because i felt in many ways that it's a film about a a young woman who is trying to navigate various pressures but then at the same time she is reached a point where she doesn't really care about any of them anymore and i think the tila angle is a very interesting one because that is the essential mystery of this film you hear references to tila i guess being the previous paloma and then something happening to her and then they explain that there was an accident and for the longest time i thought she had died because there's a there's a theme of violence that flows throughout this film again keeping with the whole criminal underworld theme that makes sense when you when you think about the natural progression but it doesn't necessarily turn out that way and then what we do discover is that in many ways tila got too big for her bridges in Sela's eyes but also it sounds like tila was one of the few people that got too close to Sela from an emotional and possibly a romantic point of view and I I walked away getting the sense that Tila was like the last person Sela actually really cared about and maybe didn't know how to handle those emotions so she sabotaged her but again that's very much open to interpretation because there's a key scene between Sela and Paloma where Sela's talking about how she doesn't date and she hasn't had any sexual relations or anything like that because she's not interested. She said something like, why do people get into situations that would cause them to cry in the bathrooms? And, she's, and that's a reference to all the girls that she sees crying in the bathrooms who are crying over boys or whoever the romantic partner is. And I got the sense that there was something more there with, with Tila. She liked the power that Sela had, but I think she more just liked Sela and she wanted to do everything to be around her because Tila started off as a Bobby and then jumped ship to the spade. So there's already that girl coming from the, the drama group, which is already a very high intensity emotional state. As uh, Bobby says in one of the, another line I like, she says, our motto was save the drama for the stage. And it seems like that drama was brought over when it was mixed in with emotions and again that's my interpretation this film leaves it in a in a state that the tila angle could be about anything really that's interesting because i didn't think i actually caught that she originally came from the bobby's group i thought the way they were talking about it that she was like the previous senior that graduated and Sela probably usurped her at some point and they're like guys we have to stop talking about this girl yeah she's very much the the voldemort of this film you know she who won't be named and yeah there, there is a reference i guess when just before the prom scene where paloma is dropping off some drugs to bobby who's head of the bobbies and bobby's clearly a lot friendlier to paloma than she is to to Sela. and she makes a reference to the story of tila and how she got into this car accident while on acid but then in that interaction she bobby references how she she was one of us at first she was a bobby and then became a spades so that's why i think bobby was a lot more invested in getting justice for tila but the way how this world is designed and i i think it's 
kind of brilliant in terms of allowing for all the criminal stuff to happen is the one rule that this world seems to have is that you can't rat you know you can't snitch so essentially that allows you to do anything because no one can snitch because by snitching you have to you're essentially exposing all the factions and the underworld so you know this whole thing of Sela taking out the one person that got closer closest to her and that was essentially going to be her her protege and no one's able to discuss it is i think what really grates bobby and fuels her anger towards the spades in general definitely yeah this movie is is just a hodgepodge of genre coming together and it's strange to see all of it mixed together but almost like an emotion that just breaks apart right if you're like and i guess i've been watching way too many cooking videos which is why i'm now talking about emotions where the oil is coming apart and everything about this movie. So even when we got to the end of this film and we get the answer I've been looking for, which is what's what's really going on with Sela and how she deals with these things, it ends and you're just like, I don't even know what happened. I don't know. Did, did they get saved? Are they happy? Are they sad? Did the world end? I feel like I don't know if it's that this movie is the type of movie where they made it, where they're where they're telling people watch it again so that you can see the first half with fresh eyes as to knowing what you know now. But this movie's really stretched itself in that regard. Mm -hmm. I, I, I took the ending as the world doesn't end, but they're not necessarily in a better place. And I think for them all to be in a better place, Sela has to start to acknowledge her faults. Because for most of the film, she's unapologetic about all her actions. Even though we do see moments where she's alone and she breaks down. And it's interesting that, even just thinking back to this film... There are sequences in this film where, whether she's giving the speech about being a 17-year-old girl or sitting in her wicker chair-like throne, where she's looking directly at the camera, almost like breaking that fourth wall. When she's emotionally vulnerable, she, she doesn't do that. It's only when she's kind of putting on the facade of strength. So by the end, I think she's realized yet again she's gone too far, and Maxie knows, Paloma now knows how she really is and there's that great shot where she's kind of looking over this cliff and you think that she might end it but she doesn't right instead of running away she's now got to go back and face what she's done but because the film ends so abruptly we don't know what type of form that takes because at the end of the day she's going to be gone from this school no matter what so is that her coming to terms now standing up to her mother is it enduring the, being the low person on the totem pole again when she goes to college because they even make a reference in this film where maxi says how paloma is very much like Sela when she first came to the school because Sela apparently was kind of uninformed had i guess optimistic views of the world and that quickly changed for her to become who she is so yeah the ending is very much ambiguous but a lot of the film is and i feel like this is a film where the parts are interesting and i think the parts are focused on sometimes more than the whole, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Because I walk away thinking, like, you know, there's a lot of moments that I really like, and I, I have been thinking about this film for the the last two days since I first watched it, but at the same time, there's aspects to the thread that I go, but that, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to take from this particular interaction in the grand scheme of things, but there's, I know there's a lot of stuff that I like about it. Like, I like how this film approaches violence in a way that, it doesn't show you anything really 
but you see characters you know battered and bruised at one point paloma has got her hands all her knuckles are all bloody and sell is telling her you'll get used to it you'll build up callous and basically you'll be, you'll become immune to the impact of violence and just the way how that whole sequence is is filmed is really interesting like the style is great it's just when you put everything together it doesn't necessarily flow as smoothly as you would hope but i still found myself intrigued by it yeah but i feel like the movie you're talking about is the kind of movies and uh, this isn't exactly it but i'm thinking about films like uncut gems where basically the thread of the movie is you watching this self-destructive person circle the drain on the way down, right? A person who at the beginning you realize isn't a good person, but you kind of assume that they know who they are, but the rest of the movie is them learning who they really are or you learning how how deep that hole goes. And like that might be what Sella is supposed to be, where she opens up, she starts up with that monologue about being a 17-year-old girl. You see her talking about the factions and she knows she do, she's doing bad things. She knows she's selling drugs. She knows she doesn't care about this stuff. And then at the end of the movie, she's emotionally engaged about it as it relates to talking about Tila. Yeah, I think it's Tila or Tela. Yeah. And Paloma and what's going on with that. But at the same time, I feel unlike movies like An Uncut Gems, which deals with... This movie doesn't earn the concept of the character lying to themselves that hard and then learn you learning the truth about that character. This movie feels, and in many ways we've talked about just being rough in general as to how things are structured, it feels like they think they've earned that ending where you can just walk away and be like, all right, the end of the movie was everyone learned they're a bad person and hopefully they'll be better. Or if you're a cynic, you're like, these people will be all in jail in five years, mm -hmm. right? But I don't know. I don't think this movie earned that. I feel like this movie almost turned on itself in that last 15 minutes just for the sake of thinking we can fill this in somewhere and someone might write this. So do you think that it needed more of a different character or a character that was expanded on more to give that different angle? Because I'm thinking initially about Rushmore because I think back to the central character of Rushmore and in many ways for all his eccentric quirks and whatnot, he's not the most likable character. But nope. through his interaction with Bill Murray and the fight, over this particular woman you kind of appreciate him even though he's not the most likable whereas here you possibly don't get that you don't have that extra buffer for for Sally. and also like you talk about the interaction between um rushmore's characters of i've forgotten his name right now um schwartzman and murray right um there is no interaction like that in this movie even though there's supposed to be Sella and paloma kind of having those butting of heads there really isn't that give and take that those characters have that that progress them together to come to their own realizations as to who they are and for us to realize who they are besides the surface level things that are teenagers and drugs right mm -hmm. it's it's just that right this movie is is lost in that sense i feel and it, it could entirely be that that was never supposed to be the movie right but then i don't know if that ending really makes sense if that's not supposed to be the movie right am i am i going anywhere am i just completely off track here i completely get what you're what you're saying and i'm i was just thinking back to the 
the interactions between Sela and Paloma. And for the most part, at least from Sela's perspective, it's very much a business transaction. I've declared you to be my heir. I will teach you the business. Here's what you need to know. And I mean, there are moments when they're on the bench and stuff where you get the sense that there is a genuine friendship starting to form, but Sela still keeps her at a distance. There's very little that we learn about Paloma outside of her interactions with Sela as well. I had problems with the ending as well, partly just because it's so open to interpretation and you almost feel like there's going to be another beat that's coming, but it it doesn't. And this is not the type of film where you know you're going to get a a sequel or see these characters. Again, I think the story is as it is. And I also found interesting, just to go on a slightly different tangent for a moment, the role of the principal. He always seems two steps behind everything. He should have been smarter to to the things that were going on for that type of character because he's not he's not a buffoon or not presented as a buffoon by any means i found his role to be not that important outside of canceling the prom like even that moment where he's like searching the party the he's forensicking the party as i want to call it he's he's pretty much doing a law and order svu scene where he drinks the evidence <laughs> yeah what they needed him to be was basically jason sudeikis in book smart where he doesn't care he knows things are going on and you know he knows and he's just like look i just want to make it to the end of the day and see my wife this movie feels like it's supposed to feel like an autonomous system an autonomous economy of the children's factions it seems to try to do that at some points but then others not because even the whole idea of him canceling the prom and the catastrophic ripple effect that it it's supposed to cause it really boils down to a meeting where people are about to turn on Sela, but then paloma kind of cements herself as being the the future of the of the underworld thought he was going to be a far more interesting character than he he turns out to be it's what it is it's a messy movie it's lots of good things lots of bad things and mostly overall it's just me going like good first try i'll see you next time (laughs) (laughs) and uh what did you think of the just the overall look of the film because i thought there was some interesting visuals to it like i found whenever Sela was in her cheerleading outfit was presented as the the most empowered that's when she had the the most attitude and there's a couple of great shots of her sitting in, in the chair and i think there's even a moment towards the end of the film where they i guess remind you of the different factions where it felt very much like the opening of dear white people where you see each faction in their own environment. I thought how that was shot was was done quite well. So I just wondered what you thought of the overall look of the of the movie. I just like to let you know that I'm very upset that I forgot about Dear White People. That movie should have been mentioned in the faction talk. Oh. <laughs> I have not thought about that movie in a long time. But yeah, talking about the shots of this movie, like there are definitely some well-made shots. There are a couple things in which is just really me nitpicking of things and it might have been intentional. You talk about the cheerleading stuff. I'm thinking about the, the speech we've mentioned before that she gives about the 17-year-old girls. There are points in that montage of watching the cheerleaders and then watching her give the speech that and i don't know why i have this in my ear but i have this interview in my ear of Werner Herzog 
Werner Herzog talking about when he figured out what that movies were fake. He would watch these old movies and then one day he'd go, he thought they were real. He thought all movies were real according to this story. He'd see this man jump off a cliff and die and then he thought that man really died. Mm-hmm. And then the next week he went to the movie and saw the same actor again alive and was baffled and confused that he was still alive to be in another movie. And then he jumped off a cliff and died again. He saw them reusing footage from other things in other movies and I could tell that there was like re-cut stock footage being used of these scenes repeated over and over again, almost like a it's like a refrain in that sequence, which there's some really well shot stuff in there. But at the same time, I'm like, that's weird that I spotted that. But that's just my brain. Mm-hmm. What, what I find fascinating were really the scenes in which you can see Paloma just really being a voyeur. Right. She's walking around with her camera. Her introduction to Sella, which we've not really even said at, to this point, is her walking in on the the cheerleaders practicing or working out. And she's like just taking random camera. She's taking random shots of them. And yeah. I always enjoy seeing films where characters are people who are voyeuristic, like camera videographers, filmmakers who are just trying to find things interesting to look at in the world. So you you see a lot of these camera shots throughout the entire movie. Some of them are printed and they just look gorgeous. There was one that I want to point out, which was probably my favorite. There was a there's a moment where you see the Bobby kind of getting, I'm assuming, prepared for her role on stage. And we're viewing this from her back. So we're seeing like from a mirror angle. And you can see Paloma taking taking some snaps. And at the same time, on the mirror, you can see like a cutout of eyes, like made up. And just something about everything kind of put together was like something that stood out to me as probably one of my favorite shots throughout. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if that one registered for you. I was thinking of that particular scene more just in terms of the overall beauty of it. Because if I remember correctly, I think that's where she's like in a red room or a red robe. Like I just thought yeah. the, the placement and the, the color palette that was used in that scene and throughout the film was was fascinating but the eyes part i missed but it also kind of fits with the whole central theme of someone is always watching you especially for these kids like there's there's always someone who's keeping eyes on them even when they don't think they're they're being watched definitely a work that you'll be interested to see what the, the next film from Terry Chapeau is to come look i opened this conversation talking about people finally saw brick and I remember when I saw Brick, and I definitely was more positive on that. But Teresha takes the same approach and the same projection in her career, not necessarily the stories, as Ryan Johnson has. I mean, I can't wait to see her knives out, whatever it is. Andrew, where can listeners find you? I'm mostly at gmanreviews.com. You can listen to the Unnamed Movie Podcast anywhere podcasts are on Spotify, on iTunes, on Pocket Cast, just look for Tum or G Man Reviews, you'll find it. Find me on Twitter, I'm at G Man Reviews, and I guess anything I do, I'll probably link there. And uh, listeners, you can find me on Twitter at Small Mind, or you can contact the show on Twitter at Changing Reels AC. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can change the conversation on diversity and representation in cinema one reel at a time.